So for this morning, we're not going to have God stories this morning because we're going to have a Q&A panel with all of our speakers. They're going to start making their way to the stage. They're going to make everything nice and clean. Thank you, boys. And um, as they prepare the chairs... I'm just going to, there's a couple of little announcements and some ways that you guys can participate this morning. Everybody has your devices, so let's pull those out if you can. If you are part of our texting, if you get our texts as a church, then you should have no problem just finding the text that you've got one this morning, the 97,000, and uh, you can actually submit your questions using that number. So you can submit your questions to uh, 97,000. Um, if, if you have not signed up for that, then you'll have to sign up for it real quickly. And what you'll have to do for the first time is text AVL family to 97,000. Once it tells you that you're clear to go, then you can, in that same thread, you can actually text in your questions. And so the questions are going to be in a format that's it's one of two things. One is uh, we've, um, we were in their hashtag series over the last few weeks talking about controversial conversations. And so we all had a topic that we all spoke on. Some of the things were hard to hear. Some of those things you guys disagreed with. Most of those things you guys rallied behind. Uh, sometimes we need to clarify certain things. Sometimes we need to ask some additional questions. And so we've given you guys an opportunity to text us those questions over the last few weeks. A few questions have already come in, but we also wanted to open up for a, a kind of like live questions without the mic. So it's going to be strictly text. Because uh, if you have a dumb question, I would rather text back and say dumb question. <laughs> You're welcome. This is how we love our neighbor who's less smarter than we and has better grammics, gra, gra, see, you're, you're, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we don't correct in public, so don't correct me. But yes, someone said, send questions here. Yes, you see, I already see that question. So I'm going to give you guys a second to do that. And um, if we go a little longer beyond 12 o'clock, which we probably will, Go ahead and just go grab your kids, and you can come back here. We'll try to be sensitive to time, but when you have all these speakers, the, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Uh, I'm going to tell you that Donovan spoke. Don't give me that look. It's too late, Farron. Donovan spoke the shortest amount of time through our hashtag series, the shortest, 30 minutes-ish. Okay, I spoke, huh? Yeah, I spoke second shortest. You're welcome. Mine's included communion, and I spoke shorter. Then everybody else spoke between 15 minutes and over an hour. So as you guys can see, this is a challenge as to what we're wanting to do here this morning. But we're still going to do it because I think it's, it's amazing. So the questions are going to be two formats. One, we're going to read the questions that already came in, so that way we can start answering them. And if you do have a question... We may not get to them today, that's fine, but still ask those questions. We still want to answer them in a, in a later format or even respond to you uh, individually with answering your question. Um, 
And so uh, to, they're here. Um, one other little thing that I want to remind everyone is that we will have baptism next Sunday. And we are celebrating our nine years as a church next Sunday as well. And, uh, and so the fact that we're in existence is a miracle in Asheville by itself. So there's something to be grateful for. And we are definitely excited about what God has for us in the future. So we will have baptism as well, a celebration of our nine years next um, next week. But today, if you are wanting to get baptized, if you want to get baptized, you can text in, I want to get baptized to that same, you know, number 97,000. Or if you're watching online, there's a link and, and you'll, get, you, you'll be sent to this form where you fill out really quickly, very, very simply, so we know that you're wanting to get baptized. Right after church today, if you're getting baptized, just remain over here on my left, just find these front seats and we're going to, we'll do a quick baptism one-to-one uh, class. And even if you're curious, maybe you're like, I don't know if I need to get baptized. I was baptized as a baby or I was sprinkled or, or this or this, and you don't fully know, just go ahead and come to the class after church, and then, and then you can sit through it and you can ask the questions, and then you can make a decision whether you need to be rebaptized or baptized again or what it is all about to begin with. So no more announcements. Uh, you guys ready? All right. Uh, we're going to grab the other wireless mic. So if Terry, if you could, please... Check. <laughs> well, uh, okay. Put one on one side and one on the other side. It's fine. And I will be over here in the middle. Well, not in the middle. Kind of in the middle. <laughs> well, guys. Okay. We're going to get things started with the questions. So the few questions that did come in, first one, it's actually going to be addressed to Rusty. If you guys remember, uh, Rusty talked, spoke about heaven and hell. And, uh, and if you want to elaborate a little bit before answering the question, how you craft your sermons, maybe a technique that you use, or surprise question. <laughs> if you have something that you want to share, how, so people can know, they see the presentation and the message, but there's a lot behind it that people don't fully know and understand what it takes to prepare any message, but specifically any of these controversial messages. So if you could, you don't have to, but it'd be, it, you can elaborate on that. But here's a question uh, for Rusty. On the topic of heaven and hell, how should we respond to skeptics who claim that an eternal hell is an invitation, invention of the New Testament? Press the bread button. Uh, to start out with, I guess, as far as crafting the message, mm -hmm. I'll start out with that. For whatever reason, uh, no matter how long ahead of time I know that I have a message coming up and how much I pray for God to give me the direction he wants to go, it usually doesn't happen until Thursday before the Sunday that I speak, which drives me crazy, but that's okay. Um, you know, obviously a lot of prayer goes into it ahead of time, then seeing where God leads. There's a number of different forms of presentation that you can go by, formulas if you want or whatever. Uh, again, that's just up to God. Once God has given me the direction and the outline, and then basically my, my prep method is I write out the message verbatim, word for word. 
Uh, I actually do time it. <laughs> so to try to stay somewhere within time constraints. Uh, then I will record it. Uh, again, checking on time. Uh, then I will put it in note form. Uh, then I will listen to that recording probably five or six times before I speak and will speak through the message using my notes uh, just to myself in a room probably another three or four times before the message ever gets there. That's my, that's my prep message. So, so. Oh, yeah. I just, I just want to like, some of you guys don't like it when, no, when other people speak than me. And this is a little thing for you guys as well to say that when a person shows up like Rusty, you, there's weight now that you know how he prepares for this thing. So the next message, Rusty, better blow us away <laughs> with all the prep work. <laughs> Not a problem. Not a problem. No pressure. Uh, to the question, uh, how do you deal with a skeptic who uh, says that hell is just an invention of the New Testament? That's actually a multi-layered question. Uh, one is just deals with the skeptic. Uh, the first question, my first question would be, is the person actually seeking truth or are they just wanting to state their opinion and move on? Uh, Proverbs makes it clear if you rebuke or reprove or correct a scoffer, then they will just hate you. And, you know, if they're not willing to listen, there's, not, there's no need for you to waste your breath. Uh, again, I have a low shepherding score, low evangelism score. Personally, my response would be, fine, go to hell. It's your choice. I mean, you know, it's, it's not my choice. I don't save you. It's, it's your choice whether you accept Christ or not. Uh, I'm not. By the way, I'm not saying that's the right approach. Okay, really, probably not the best approach, but it would be mine. The, the question is, is do you accept the New Testament or not? It's an all-or-nothing situation. We don't get to pick and choose what we accept and what we don't. And so if you don't accept that part, then you're not accepting other parts, which also means Jesus saying the only way to the Father is through Christ. And hell is mentioned a number of times in the New Testament, obviously. In the Old Testament, there's some disagreement. The term Sheol, S-H-E-O-L, is referred to a number of times. The Hebrews considered that to be death, where people who die go into deep into the earth, which also referred to as hell at times. So Sheol can mean hell, it can mean death, it can mean the pit, it can mean the grave. Depends on your interpretation, how you go about that. I don't know that we should get hung up on what the, new, what the Old Testament says. We should focus on, I'm not saying it's not important. We, should, we need the Old Testament. But the New Testament, whether you believe in hell or not, doesn't change whether it's there. So I guess that's the direction I would go. Good. Thank you. Thank you. That's, that's a good, good answer? All right. No? Yeah. yeah, like, yeah, okay. <laughs> so, Donovan, you spoke on unity and division within the body. Um, so, the same two questions for you. One, how do you prep your messages? And two, it seems that the church is really divided more than it's united. And so, knowing that people disagree, how is it that and under what do we really unite where we can say we are united, even though we have differences of opinion? 
Okay, uh, so to the first question, how do I prepare my messages? Um, I try to take great pains to not say any more or less than what the Bible says. So in this case, this message was on uh, mainly Romans chapter 14 and 1 Corinthians 8, 9, and 10. And so I took chunks of those and just tried to give background to them, like dive deep into what it says, because Paul answers those questions. He doesn't, you know, give every example of uh, the things we face. He doesn't say, well, here's what to think about vaccines. You know, he, he doesn't go there, but he does give examples of things that people were divided about and guidance on how to deal with those things. Um, so that that's generally how I go about approaching my messages. I start with chunks of scripture. Um, I read them and pray about them. Uh, I talk to people I trust. Uh, I listen to other preachers and commentaries that I trust. And then once I've got it all written out, I do write it all out like Rusty does word for word because I get really nervous. <laughs> so it's easier just to have a fallback when I just look down at my paper. Um, and then at the end, I pray, like, is, is there anything that is in here that shouldn't be um, things that uh, are maybe my opinion or interjections that, that aren't what the Holy Spirit wants? And so then I revise it that way. Um, what was the second question exactly? The gist of it is um, how, you know, people are divided and divided about topics. Um, how can you say that there is actual unity within the body if it seems like there is so much division? Well, there are divisions over many, uh, I think, secondary and tertiary things. Um, divisions over issues of conscience. And so, like in my sermon, you know, I talked about, I just gave a bunch of examples. I said, you know, vaccines, uh, masks, politics, whether you should celebrate certain holidays as a Christian, you know, these are all issues of conscience. And also we went into things about doctrine, sort of, you know, I touch on that, like what translation of the Bible should you use? What kind of music is acceptable in church? And the scripture doesn't speak to any of these things directly, but the the way to keep unity, I think, is twofold. Uh, number one, you realize that, you know, Christ died for your brother and sister, so you should put them first and defer to them in everything. Seek to give no offense. You know, even if it's your right as an American or your liberty as a Christian, don't flaunt it in front of someone uh, for the sake of offending them or if there's a chance of offending them. You know, don't destroy with your food or drink, uh, he for whom Christ died. Um, I think the other way that you achieve unity in the church is seeking to serve one another. Um, I, I wanted to talk, talk about uh, Philippians chapter 2 in my message, but I didn't get there. I realized at the end of it, I was like, man, I got 30 minutes of material already. Um, but I do think that it's about keeping the main thing, the main thing, keeping the gospel central, keeping the doctrines that are central to the faith central and serving one another and, and I guess to wrap up uh, Ephesians is it chapter four I think gives us all our, our grounds for unity you know we're united on one faith one God one Lord one baptism uh, so go read Ephesians chapter four that's a nice summary that's a good answer that's a really good answer uh, righty we're gonna go to Courtney next also twofold, how do you prep your messages? 
And the actual question is, for anyone struggling with their identity in Christ, are there any Bible verses you can, you can recommend that would be helpful to meditate on? I record my messages 10 times, and I practice and listen to those and make Yuri listen to them 20 times. I'm just kidding. I don't do any of that. That's twice as much as you Yeah, that's twice, because I'm twice the speaker. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I need a lot of prayer and humility. Pray for me. Um, I don't do any of that. I, I pray a lot, and, uh, and usually the sermon I have in my head is never the one that ends up. God's like, nope, that's you um, and your interpretation of that. So, uh, yeah, I start early. I'm also a planner, so I start early thinking about it weeks um, and kind of just reading scriptures surrounding it. Um, and then I just write it. I write every single word. I write a whole manuscript. So a lot of people don't do that. Um, yeah, <laughs> and I, we, we write it. We're, I think we're the teachers of the group. Um, and then I try to figure out whether or not this would keep my nephews engaged. And if they won't be paying attention, nobody else will be. So then I try to put in some things that would keep um, someone that might have attention difficulties engaged. So uh, as for the, the scriptures, that's such a personal question. I don't really know how to answer that. I've been thinking about that because I think... Um, all of us wrestle with our identity in some way, whether it's gender identity or just, you know, parts of ourselves that we don't like. Um, and so for me, it's always been the scripture that God gave me in that moment. Um, and so honestly, it could be any scripture, all scripture, um, or just the story, the narrative that is told throughout Scripture over and over, which is that God is um, present to the suffering, and he is can be found to the people looking, and that he is for the distressed. Um, and so those any scripture that reminds you of who God is and his identity will help you find your own. Does that make sense? So I think it probably depends on the person and what they need. It's a good answer. It's a good answer. All right. Question for Elena. You spoke on mental health. And can you clarify the part from your message that you spoke on medication? I knew this one was coming. Um, so how I prep sermons, I'm always writing a sermon. Um, I usually, it's usually something that God speaks to me about or drops in my spirit or something that clicks for me. And so I have random I guess the artist in me, I always have random notes somewhere in my phone, sometimes in my pad, in my notepad. And so I usually build like a thought or an idea or a scripture or something, and then I do not write my sermons word for word. That's why when I'm up here, half of the time I don't know what I just said. Um, but hopefully it's, it makes sense when I say it. But I, I write um, point for point. 
Like, what's the main idea that I want to get across? And then I'll write, like, I'll give myself, like, lines of, like, so I remember what I want to talk about. And I do practice it. I, I say everything out loud. And if something I feel like it doesn't make sense, going from point to point, I'll extract it and I'll remove it or I'll adjust the way that I'm saying it so that way it makes sense. And then I'll come here on a Sunday and and just kind of go by. And sometimes I get hung up on a different section, so I shorten what I'm saying after because I really, I'm really um, aware that there it's a it's a privilege, but also um, it's really important what we say. And I really try to lean into the Holy Spirit. And I'm like, okay, God, here I am. What do you want to say to your people? Like, what do people need to hear? And I find often in that place, I'll that's when I'll camp on something that I didn't plan to camp on and I'll say things and it's just really leaning into to God. So that's how I do it. Um, but the question on medication, um, I th this is kind of a big question. I'll try to simplify as much as possible, but I think we, in, in me saying what I said, I think as a culture, we're so doctrinated to look at things in one way. And I said it in my message, but I said I think that sometimes life is too much and things are too much and we need it. But as a culture, we always go to it. And we look at, especially in regards to mental health, we, we, with medication, it's not actually medicine. Medicine is designed to heal you. But we look at medication as medicine, as this is healing me. But for the most part, it doesn't heal people. And so I think in context of that, you have to look at your problem or your situation in kind of three categories. There's like extreme, where, you know, you're in a, a crisis moment or you, you don't understand your, your thought process or maybe you've gone through something extremely traumatic and you just cannot cope and you're suicidal or you're going through intense things. So in that moment, you know, I do think medicine or medication can be helpful. Um, and then there's that second category where it's you're going through something, you have trauma, and... And our culture says, if you feel this, this, and this, medication is your answer. But actually, and I think most people find themselves in this, this category, in this place, is there's actually a lot of other things you can do naturally to help you instead of just taking medication because there has to be within us a process where we go to the root cause of our issue. And sometimes it's our environment. Sometimes it's what, simple as you're not sleeping, you're not eating, you're with people that are toxic to you. You know, um, you're, what, are you exercising? There's all these other things that you could do to help and to help you. And then in, within that, you know, building a toolbox where when I feel X, Y, and Z, these are the things I do. When I'm going down depression, when you have that or anxiety, it's, it's something you start recognizing. 
So you can either pop a pill and, and never truly deal, or you can be like, I'm triggered. Okay, why am I triggered is the first question. The second one is, what can I do? Instead of just, just going to the sometimes easier way, is like, what can I do? I need to put myself around people. I need to go outside for a walk. How can I retrain my thought process into a more healthy process? And then... The lowest category, the bottom dollar is, or the bottom one is, you know, sometimes we just got to pull up our big girl and big boy pants and grow up because you're not a victim. We all have had trials and troubles and our culture is obsessed with victimizing everyone. And instead of teaching coping skills, we, we become victim to every thought, every feeling and we have to, you know, help each other just grow up sometimes. And I know that's a harsh and I'm more of a slap you but hug you kind of a person. But the truth is we've looked at this and maybe not always the healthiest way. Um, but to boil it down and to wrap it up, I think we have to look at how God designed us. And, you know, Jesus came to restore us to Eden, to bring us back to that healthy place. And where God wants us to be is free where we don't rely on anything but him. He is our crutch, okay? Jesus is the crutch when you can't handle it. He doesn't want us to run to a bottle or, a, a, or anything or even a person necessarily. Those are great and sometimes they're helpful, but he wants to be all for us. He designed us to live completely free where we're not a slave to anything or anyone. And so I think if you boil it down to that place, I would first question you know, are you spending time with Jesus? Is your anxiety there because you are trying to manage it on your own? Are you feeling depressed because you're not progressing? You know, there's so many other things. And so um, I would say that maybe it's shifting our perspective in how we look at medication as a whole and then how we address it in our lives. Yeah. Is that pretty answers helpful? the question so helpful um, and I would just like to add to that uh, there's a lot of people who are on medication and sometimes it's for reasons and sometimes it's just a way of not dealing with things and so even as a church uh, talking about medi medication and prescriptions and all that is, is really difficult because um, up to 70% of Americans are on some sort of med are medicated in some sort of way and so the normality in America is medication and so when someone talks against, you know, and contrary to that, it really ruffles a lot of feathers. So just to, just to be clear on this specific one, um, we are not for, as a church, and not, neither as Elena, is, is to say that if you're on medication, for you to be like, right, I guess I need to get off and quit taking what you're taking after church. Or saying, well, I believe that God healed me, so I'm not going to take him just to demonstrate that God has healed me. I think that could be the case, but it's a very one-on-one, -on -one, you and God, you and your doctor, you and your circle of friends to really um, wrestle with and how. The idea is that the end game is complete wholeness and healing, it's, and, and it's found really purely in Jesus. And we have doctors that we go to, which is great, but we have a great doctor that we hardly ever go to, and it's the shift of our mind to say, yes, maybe for a season, you know, something like this is necessary. You know, um, but if it's, if you're doing this for 40, 50 years, and in some cases, you may be on something like that for the rest of your life, and that's, again, it's one of those things where 
a small percentage, there may be real legitimate reasons. But I think for the majority of the people, we have to find ways where we could function as God created us and use medicine, use prescription, use doctors as we need them, but then stand back up and allow our bodies to, to do what they're designed to do and also go to God for some of the miraculous stuff um, as well. So don't come away with saying, oh, we hate medicine. We're against medication, and if you are on that or see a doctor, then you're, you don't have faith. That's not our stand. Our stand that we're all on a journey, and we just need to make God our center for everything. You know? And then the community of people to seek wisdom in, in some of these things. Um, does anybody want to add anything to, to that? Is that pretty clear, too? I'll add one more thing, if that's okay. I just I think it's interesting to note um, in the U.S. that... We're the only country that actually allows commercials on medication. No other country allows that. So, you, so it's all, a, you know, how we think. But yeah, right. I. There, there's just more really to it. Yeah, there, to there's it. definitely more to it. So, uh, and and that's the thing. We need to be having these conversations, and and so we, we we're trying to kind of, you know, set it up to where we can launch some conversations from the stage, and then in our small groups, in our discipleship, have those real deep conversations about not just this, but about a lot of things. Which leads me to the next question that I have for. Um, uh, Farron, your message, did it come from your personal experience with pornography? I'm just, hold on, I'm just joking, hold on, stop, stop, stop. Yeah. No, wait, hold on. Oh. I'm open book. I know, I know. That, that, so. There is a question for that, so, yeah. so we'll get that. But, uh, but the, 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 the question, question is, um, why, do, why do you think that something as so obvious as pornography, why do you think, though, we know the right and wrongs of it it's still something so difficult to kick. One among many, but definitely one that seems to be in the church more than it should, you know, at the percentile-wise. So the first part, which was a joke question, is totally real. Every speaker up here strives to be objective, but our personal experiences are always going to come through. Sometimes that is not a problem at all, and that's why sometimes you prefer a certain speaker because you're like, oh, their personality or their communication style or their experience. And we get that. We really do. But our job is to try to be objective with the truth of the Bible. And so we're trying not to read our experiences into the text of the Bible before we give them to you. And I think that's actually really important. So, yeah, I think every person up here communicates from their own personal experience. Um, and with pornography, I struggled with it totally as a teenager. I should have never had a doorknob in my room. <laughs> Um, and then I think that it followed me into my early marriage and I had to deal with it then. And I had to find adult accountability with men after that. And I still have to have adult accountability with men. Um, and so for me personally, yes, that influences my message for sure. Um, I will say that the reason why I think the church struggles with it is because um, the church, any person in life, whether you're in this building now, whether you believe in Christ or not, one of the things we do is we say, at least I'm not doing that. Right? So we justify it and we say, I might be looking at this and I might even be acting in lust here, but I am not out having an affair. I am, I am coping in my way and I am justifying my sin. I might steal this way, but I, I'm not robbing a bank. I might do this, but I'm not doing that. And so... I think in human nature, we tend to have like levels of what wrong is, right? So that's why we can say words like poop and crap, and then we don't say shh stuff above that. 
right? And so, but we do, right? So we have levels in how we speak. We have levels in how we act. And so I think my point is simple in this, is that I think that we don't like to look at the actual standard. And maybe as Christians, that's the hardest part, is to say the standard is perfection, the standard is Jesus, the standard is be holy as I am holy. And you can't meet that standard. So we start to go, well, I'm bad, but I'm not that bad. I might look at pornography and I might do this, but at least I don't go out and do those things. I don't go to a strip club. I don't support that industry. I don't do those things. It's private. It's on my phone. It's harmless. It doesn't hurt anybody. We rehearse these lines in our head, and we may not even do it consciously. Most of the time, we just do it and go, well, that wasn't worth it, or I won't do that again, or that was a bad idea. But we find ourselves creating patterns in our minds, and we find ourselves doing things, and we can't forget the things that we do. And so we get trapped in that. But I think ultimately the standard was there in Matthew 5 when Jesus approached people and he said, look, even if you do this in your mind, even if you commit adultery in your head, so have you basically lived that out because it comes from your heart. And so the reason why I think Christians struggle with this in the church and why people outside the church struggle with this is because we justify things very easily. We say it is wrong, but it is not that wrong. And so at least I'm not doing that. At least I'm not saying that word. At least I'm not going to that place. Oh, I didn't do that drug. I'm addicted to this, but not that. We're, we're pretty good at that. That's, that's, a, yeah, that's, a, that's, that's a good answer. I think uh, it's a self-check for sure. Um, how do you prep your messages? And how, what's the routine for you? And it's what funny. do you go to? Um, so we all know that we interject our opinions and our messages. And we all know that you all have to filter out opinions from truth because everybody can have an opinion. Um, and so for me, a lot of what I try to do first is start with the Bible and stay with the Bible. When you do a topical message like this, that's pretty hard. It's really hard. I would much rather somebody be like, can you preach on this chapter and this verse? Oh, man, yes. But when somebody says, can you talk about this topic, heaven and hell, and it covers from the very beginning and when sin entered the world and death from the Garden of Eden, literally in Genesis, to Revelation when it talks about what heaven is like. Wow. It's really hard. Um, I actually follow a super simple method, and it's easy to remember because I like sandwiches. Um, <laughs> HBLT, hook, you, you start with something that gets your attention, it should take no more than two minutes. So I say something that you can relate to that makes you go, oh. In my pornography sermon, I showed you a statistic, and you went, oh, okay. And then I moved from there to the book. This is what the Bible says. This is the B, H, hook, book, look, took is where I'm going. So we're going to look at the Bible next. And then it's just, well, what are we going to do? What can you take away from this? Where should you be? So I literally just lay that sandwich on top of everything I'm doing in HBLT, and that's how I prepare a message. It's really simple. How long does it take you? Uh, it takes me an incredibly long time. Um, <laughs> it's really simple. It takes a long time. Um, I like to know what I'm speaking on weeks in advance because God's normally doing something in my life that's going to relate to that. Um, I take the Bible super seriously, so I, when I read something, there's so many times I read it and I don't understand it, and literally that is all I went to school for for college. The only good degrees that I have in anything are on theology and understanding the Bible, and I definitely read the Bible and don't understand it many times, many times. And I'll go to Sergio and I'll be like, what does this mean? And I'll go to other people and I'll say, what does this mean? And I'll look online. And like Donovan said, I, I trust certain teachers. Um, I trust certain um, uh, books that help explain the Bible. I try not to go too far, but I also try not to go too short. Um, 
So yeah, I think that's that's probably it. Uh, sometimes I manuscript. If if a sermon is so hard, if I had Courtney's sermon, I would have written out every single word and read it, because it's so hard. It's so abrasive. If you say one thing wrong, you just did what Donovan talked about and turned off all the ears of the people that could have heard the gospel. And we don't want to do that. We don't. And so sometimes you have to manuscript, and sometimes you can just have notes, and other times you just have to know your main point. Um, and it just depends. So. Good job. Good job. And by the way, this is, a, this is a huge blessing to have six people who are able to communicate God's word. Different characters, different life experiences, different um, even positions on certain topics coming together. And this is maybe a good sign of unity within the church just at, you know, with, with what you're, the question for Donovan. Um, we do have points where we, where we disagree on, um, but, but those are not our points where, it, where they divide us. There are some fundamental things that unite us, and so we hold on to those things. And actually, the church is the most united organism in the world and has been for centuries since its beginning. Um, if you look at everything else, nothing remained except the church. I think that actually speaks to its unity and not its division as well. Someone uh, asked a, a question about, um, I, I spoke on um, critical race theory, and the question is, if CRT is unbiblical at its core, but makes some valid points, what is one of those points, and what should be the role of the church in addressing it? And so, critical race theory is, is definitely big, and will, be, it will, will continue to be big as a topic, because it addri- addresses something that we all are concerned about, and that is racism. And so that's the good part where it's like, okay, let's talk about racism and, and know the history of racism and, and figure out ways that we don't have that within our sphere and address it as it comes up in our work environments, even in our churches, in our families, um, and, and have open conversations about it. So, so there's definitely that part of bringing light to something. The core issue of CRT is that it starts with a fault, a, a false premises and that is that our identity is found in our race. That is who we are. And so when that happens, we begin to build, um, we begin to build a false and a shaky foundation for dealing with, with something like race. Uh, and, and, the, and the Bible definitely addresses race on a lot of levels, even though it, it talks about societies where there was racist and slavery, slavery and all, all those things that we're like, well, what about this? Well, what about that? There are answers to almost all of those questions. Um, so the fact that we're talking about racism is not apart from Scripture. It's actually rooted in Scripture. And it's part of our call is to speak for those who don't have a voice or whose voice has been minimized based on something like the color of their skin or their status or anything like that. Uh, so that's the answer to that. Um, and quickly, of how I prepare my messages, I, 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 I don't prepare my message. Um, I, um, I read and listen a lot, and I'm always weighing in of, from a lot of perspectives of what's happening within our body. Unlike some of these speakers, for me, like I, I know more about what's happening, so it changes what I speak on and how I communicate it differently, because I'm always thinking of people who may misunderstand this or see this this way or that way. So I, I try to, more than before ever in my life, choose my words extra careful uh, in light of knowing how people may receive that. And, 
and it allows you to become a little more neutral in some of these things where people are pulling you in this direction or that direction. But a lot of my prep really, it's just, it's that whole where I carry it continually and I'm working on it as it comes. Uh, but then Thursday, Friday is where it's a lot of grind time where I'm like, okay, I gotta put this on paper and make it make sense. So I definitely offload it on paper. Uh, and I usually have like maybe six pages of notes, but I never follow it. And so probably most of my me message notes are probably their own messages that have never been preached. And so I still do it because it's a matter of trying to think things through. I do rely a lot on the Holy Spirit. And like you guys have experienced this as well. Sometimes God takes over the service and we don't speak. Or sometimes I'll walk up and God's like, I need you to. You've been thinking about this and this on Tuesday. And then you kind of pushed it aside. And actually, that is exactly what I really want you to talk about. And so there, there you know, sometimes that happens. But, um, but a lot of our, the speakers here, we, you know, the big part of it is that we have to know what the Bible says. We cannot just find a verse and preach on it because another verse, another story in the New Testament, in Leviticus or in Chronicles or wherever, speaks on this issue, and the Bible interprets the Bible, and so it is really difficult for us to just, you know, not share opinion, um, but it, and it's also easy for us to just pick up a verse and just say, well, this is what the verse says, and we can't, we have to do better than that as those who are communicating God's truth, and so there has to be a continual not just in reading scripture on a regular basis, knowing what it's in, but it's also embracing its, its authority over our lives and that being the thing that has the highest authority for whatever it is. Um, and I know a lot of these, all of us here, we mull over before message a lot, pray a lot, and also post-message. We, be, we beat ourselves a lot after the service. And so... Um, and, and it's one of those attacks to where we, we always can say something better. We could always have not said something that we said. We can always say short jokes that we shouldn't say. <laughs> I, oh, me too. Um, okay. A question came in. Um, actually, someone uh, responded with a Psalms 139.14 to addressing identity, and it speaks on being fearfully and wonderfully made and the worst of God. So that's a good, you know, just to add to what you were saying. But there are a lot of verses to definitely to speak on. Uh, so another question came in is that did any of the speakers connect with their topic personally? And I know Farron mentioned that, but if anybody else wants to say how you connected with your topic personally, um, because something they were walking through with God, and what are some reasons maybe that you were compelled to pick this topic versus the other one, if that's the case. Donovan? And we'll just have maybe two people answer that question so that we are not all answering. So, one passage that was very uh, influential to me in the last few years is when Jesus is talking to the Pharisees and he says to them, uh, in vain do you worship me, teaching his doctrines, the commandments of men, or the traditions of men. And that just, that really nailed me sometime like 2019-ish. So I've been slowly looking at everything that I do and every belief that I hold and everything that I choose to engage with on Facebook in the comment section. I'm like, look, does this, is this part of biblical doctrine? 
is this worth is this a hill worth dying on or is this uh is this a tradition of men that I'm rallying behind and uh so yeah I wanted to teach on Romans chapter 14 <laughs> because it's uh it's really convicting to me personally so yeah I had a I had a personal motivation to do that too anybody else I was going to say um I uh struggled more with this sermon with gender identity than I've struggled with any sermon I've ever spoken. And I was in ministry for nine years. And I think um, for me, it was a internal battle of I am in the mental health field and I have sat with people in very dark times in their life. Um, and so it was almost like trying to reconcile myself the experiences of these people and honoring them because it is it is real and really feeling the brokenness of God's heart um, and also battling myself in not wanting to say something wrong uh, and being having to like um, almost rally myself of like, what do I believe and separate myself from my job? Because I kept thinking, oh my gosh, what if I say something that hurts my career? And um, so it was just this constant battle. And I felt um, the Lord's presence all week in it. And just like him trying to to almost like root something out of my life of putting something in the place of him and what I actually believe because I've had to mute my voice in my field a lot professionally um, just because it was not a popular voice and it would, it could potentially be very harmful. Um, so I, you know, I, um, for me, it was just, I felt really good afterwards because I felt like I honored Jesus. And I was like, oh, I put him first in this. And so um, I felt his his delight in that. Uh, but I also felt like I, I honored people's struggle and, and honored them as people and not just, you know, the Christian vote of like, oh, that's wrong. You're not, you know, you should be doing th this and this and this. Um, and so, because my heart is for them, I love them. And so anyway, I think that was probably more for me and God just moving in my life and preparing the message <laughs> and just having this crazy week. Um, even though I've never struggled with that thing myself personally. So I don't know if that makes sense. Makes sense. You want? Um, on the mental health. That is definitely something that I have walked through a lot and many people that I know. And I, for me, it was a hard one to tackle because, you know, I, I have had a lot of loss in this area. And so, you know, when I, and, I, and I would, um, I started diving into this whole arena of mental health not really wanting to but I was confronted with my own past traumas that I had to address. And then I kept having friends and people that would come into my life that had a lot of issues like that. And 
I was in a marriage that was very, very toxic. And so it, um, it was a hard message because it was very, very personal. And I was, my heart in, in it is, I'm just weary of seeing people who don't ever seem to overcome. And I had to, I was told so many things that I was so many things that I would never be normal, that I was never okay. And I just think back to my life of where I am. I'm a completely different person to what I was, you know, four years ago. You know, I was on the verge of taking my life. And so, you know, the truth is I see God's hand in that, but I also see how much even especially as Christians, we just hear the world all the time. And I just think back to if I had listened and I had taken that identity on, where would I be now? If I had never had some, I didn't, I had to do the work a lot internally. I didn't really have someone tell me or show me a different way because this is how it's done. This is what you do when you have these symptoms. This is always how you respond to them. And I just look back at that, and, and when I was putting this message together, I'm like, what would I have wished that somebody shed, shed light on? And sometimes we have to be shaken for us to snap or to click or something to move, or we have to, you know, maybe look at something in a completely different way than we've been trained to look at it. And so for me, um, this one was, was tough, and there was a lot of heart, a lot of prayer, because it, it's not an easy subject to tackle. There's so many strong opinions. And like you said, and what you, you know, it's my opinions or my, my you know, thought, they're not popular. It's much easier to say something that everyone goes, yeah, amen, we love that. Instead of being like, oh, that pressed all my buttons, you know, because I'm filtering everything through my experience. And so, you know, for me, this one was, was deeply um, personal um, as well. Thank you. All right, two, two questions that are kind of related to what we were talking about. So I'm just going to throw them up there and then see who wants to tackle which one. And then we were not planning to do this, but I will allow it. <laughs> and that is where it's where 12, uh, a little past 12. We will have an open mic for maybe a question or two, but don't be upset if we can't answer it right away. Um, we'll try, and if not, we'll answer it later on. So if anyone does have a question and you just have a complications with your texting or whatever and you want to answer, just come up to the front and sit over here on my right, one or two, and if there's no one there, then we won't do that. But if you just come and sit on my right in the front row, then I'll know to, co to come ask you the question. So there are two questions that came up. The first one is um, uh, 1 John. There's a passage, 1 John 1, 5, and I'm going to read it. It's 1 John 1, chapter 5, and it's verse 15 and 16. It says this, And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request we have asked for him. If anyone sees his brother committing a sin not leading to death, he shall ask, and God will forgive him. Uh, no, and God will for him give life to those who commit sin not leading to death. There is a sin leading to death, and I do not say that he should make requests for this. Is that, so, so it's talking about sin leading to this. So this may be like, some of you guys are like, ah, a little bit, 
Okay, so just mull on that, and if we don't answer that on stage, that's fine. We'll get back and answer that um, in another way. And then the, uh, another question that came in, um, Sergio, if we take the stand, listen. This is actually to Donovan, not to Sergio. Okay, Donovan, this is unity question. <laughs> if we take the stand, and this is not to you, but this is to anyone. Um, if we take the stand that all scripture is infallible, the, the infallible word of God, how do we view Paul's stand on women's role in the church? So those are the two questions that anybody wants to volunteer. All right, Farron, pick one or pick both. Or um, I, the only thing I actually have to say is when we say what is Paul's stance, like the only thing that helps me understand your question better is if you could maybe say Paul says in this passage this thing about women and leadership in the church, then I can kind of unpack what you're saying, maybe what verse or uh, what letter to which church. Because um, he was... Paul was dealing with different issues in different places and giving specific instruction to specific congregations. And there are principles that we draw from those things. Um, but I just, I genuinely, in order to separate sometimes what is cultural, what is descriptive, and what is prescriptive in the scripture, it helps me to know which passage we're talking about. And, and I'm, I'm not trying to avoid the question. I'm genuinely saying, like, I love that question. I think that there's specifics in the Bible about what we should and shouldn't do. I just, I, it helps me to go, are we talking about this passage or this passage or this passage? Because um, you all know there's sometimes there's passages that say that you must cover your head or that um, this should happen under this. And, you know, when they're describing different roles of people mm -hmm. in the church, elders, deacons, things like that. So it just helps to know which one we're talking about. I'm not trying to avoid the question. I just yeah. If I could get a more narrow question, you can always text that in, and I'd love to think more about it. You can even contact me, uh, and we can talk about that, too, if you want to. That's fine. All right, anybody wants to or is you able to? tell us what women should do in the church, Donovan? <laughs> I do not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think we can speak on it as long as we know what passage we're, we're, we're trying right, to clarify. Right, right. I, I genuinely think we can answer that question. I just need to know what's going on. So, overall, women have a place in the church. There should be women in the church. Men should definitely marry women in the church. Men should definitely lead their women well in the church. Um, and without the women, the men are lost. It happens. It happens. Yeah, yeah. She's going to beat you up yeah. if you had the wrong answer. Yeah. Well, I'm looking at my wife, and so she approves of this message. Uh, so, well, we're going to wrap up. There's nobody here for any sp questions specifically. And if you do have any questions, we definitely invite them uh, anytime about any messages. And so um, as the band comes up, we're going to wrap up with a song. And I just want everyone to just rise and just thank uh, everyone who came up on the stage and for all of our speakers, your speakers. Thank you guys for... And just remain standing as the band comes up. For us to have different speakers and to do what we're doing here, even with God stories, it's, it's really risky. And, um, and so we, we encourage you guys to just always expand how you listen to things and who you listen to them and, and, and you know, kind of figure out like ways of how do you, you know, kind of even introduce fresh and different voices.
to allow us to process through some of these things. Um, and we have six speakers here for the church our size. It's a huge, huge blessing. So I'd, I would encourage you that if someone says something that you disagree with, go to them, ask them, have a, buy them lunch, buy them dinner, you know, kind of like just figure out a way where you can be like, hey, I want to ask you about this and this and this. Uh, but don't, don't always revert it to if you disagree with someone. When you agree with them, when it speaks to your heart, go ahead and encourage them. Tell them. Text them. Call them. You know, find them before they leave and say, man, that really, that was really powerful. Thank you for, for speaking. Bible talk, talks about this is encouraging one another, stirring on the gift. And so it's not easy to lead people. It's not easy to lead a church. And whenever we're having, like, so many different speakers, you know, there, there is a, it's, it's not always so easy to, to do what we're doing. But I just wanted you to know that you guys are really, really blessed. We are really, really blessed to have such breadth in, in our house to be able to con- contribute through, through that, through the speaking. Um, and so if you find somebody says something that you disagree with or that you agree with, just go ahead and share and, cor- and you know, encourage them. And also continue to pray. Continue to pray for our leadership as w- within our church, for the speakers who are speaking, for all of our directors and, and, and leaders and team leaders as we... You know, as a church, not just our church, but in general within our, within our country and the world, we're, we're entering into, you know, territories that we don't know what holds for the church. You know, we've seen some of this last year in 2020, and there's just all talks about, about, about all sorts of different things. And this is really, really hard for our church and for our leadership to, to know what to do, when to do it, if to suspend gatherings or not to suspend gatherings, or do things this way, or do things that way. It's so, so, so complex, and, and most pastors don't know how or what to do, and just figuring out as they go. And so keep us in your prayers. Keep churches and church leaders in your prayers as well, and even any leader, any official leaders, from school to businesses. You know, we're, we're, we're dealing with things, and there's so much perspective on it, you know, and we need God's help, and we need to be united and to moving forward and whatever that looks like. So I'm going to pray for everyone here right now as we prepare ourselves to just even receive what God has even through this final song. Father, we thank you. We thank you that we are united under your name and your name alone unites us, God. Your blood that was shed unites us. Your body that was broken unites us, God. We are united under you and we're thankful that you unite your people, God. I just pray that you release your spirit, fill us with your spirit for the things that we need. Give us strength for the things that we may be weak in, God. Give us peace in those areas where there's chaos, God. Give us clarity in those areas where there's confusion, God. We surrender and submit our thoughts, our minds, God, our will, our ways to you, 